Welcome to the Wealth Setting Podcast. This is episode 424. Today is August 29th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, we're getting to the end of the dog days of summer. The month of August has been trying for the stock market. As we came into the month, a lot of the hype around the high-flying AI stocks and others in the market started to fade. Fear is receding. The major indices like the S&P 500, the Dow, and the NASDAQ, as of today, have all gotten back to their 50-day moving average. Now, they're nowhere near their all-time highs, but they have recovered and did not breach major level of technical support at the 200-day moving average. So that's good news for the stock market, at least short-term. One of the things that helped lift the market this week is that reports are showing that job openings are decreasing. Now, this again is one of these bad news is good news, where investors feel that because the economy is cooling, that means a Federal Reserve can back off on raising interest rates. Now, it is a lot of circular reasoning. What I have been concerned about all this year is not anything to do with the Fed funds rates, but rather with the actual decrease and slowing down in the economy. We're seeing that on a global scale. China's economy has cooled off to the extent where the government's trying to come in with some meek levels of stimulus. It's not working, and we're seeing major divestment, both foreign and domestic, within the Chinese economy and the Chinese stock market. So my concerns are not primarily based around what the Federal Reserve does or doesn't do, but rather where the global economy and specifically U.S. corporate profits are headed. For right now, everything seems to be cooling as it has all year. Now, I don't paint this as a gloom and doom scenario because the mantra about bad news being good news isn't that far off from a stock market perspective. Now, it may not be good for the average person or for the economy in general, but for the stock market, what we have to get through is all the unsustainable stimulus and excess demand that was created during the pandemic that hasn't worn off yet. That's the transition the economy's been in for the last, oh, 24 months or so. It's not just happening in the U.S., it's happening globally. But once we get through that transition and corporations right-size and realign their structures to meet that new reality, then there's a great number of opportunities in the market because there is a large base of very profitable, very growth-oriented companies. And therein is where the opportunity lies. And despite all the naysaying, there is more than enough opportunity out there, both on an individual and a corporate level. And that's why I continually come back to wealth building principle number three, which is production is the source of wealth. Again, put aside all the doomsaying and all the negativity. If you on an individual level or the companies you invest in or the company you work for or the company you create is creating products and services that fit a need, then to the extent that you fill that void, profits will flow. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. The future belongs to those that go out and seize it. Ha, but I digress. Hey, another thing that I think the market got a boost on, and this was the outcome of last week's Jackson Hole meeting, and it's really, I think, more of a big nothing burger, but what's being talked about in terms of The Federal Reserve's annual meeting in Jackson Hole last week was that Chairman Powell, he didn't take as much of a hawkish stand as he did last year. 
The market's interpreting that as if interest rates have peaked, and that may be the case. Uh, you know, I can still make the argument that there's another one or two rate increases ahead. The fact remains, though, that rates could stay higher for longer. If you go back and look at what people were projecting, you know, a little more than 12 months ago, especially 18 months ago, as far as how high rates would get and then how soon the Fed would start cutting, that hasn't been the case. And you can see that just from the variability and rising of the long-term interest rates, which I think could be indicating that inflation is much stickier than anybody wants to admit. And I think that's really the message that came out of the Federal Reserve's meeting last week that pretty much no one's picking up in the media. And what the Fed talked about at that meeting was the structural shifts in the global economy. Now, I actually happened to be in Jackson Hole last week. The symposium isn't open to the public, so I wasn't able to attend directly, but I was up there to get a feeling for the zeitgeist. And although there's a great deal of enthusiasm that inflation has been tamed and we are at peak interest rates, the undertow that everybody whispers about but no one's really talking about publicly is these shifts in the global economy, and specifically the structure of the global economy. That was the theme of the Fed Summit, and what they all talked about, but no one really came out and admitted, is that all these structural changes, and that's everything from the fact that we're coming through peak globalization, we're in the throes of Cold War II, the major inefficiencies in global trade, in everything from technological adaptation to transportation to the shifting and energy transformation, none of these are going as smoothly as the experts anticipated and hiccups in the system, whether it be weather-related or labor union contracts or whatever unanticipated hiccup in the system has caused a major shift in what was perceived as the stability of the global supply system. And as a result of that, and you've heard me talk about this since before 2016, about the reshoring of businesses, production, manufacturing, coming back to the United States, specifically back to North America. You know, a trend that's been going on since before the pandemic. It's escalated by the pandemic. It's being even more escalated because of the Cold War, being driven by the energy transformation. All of these things are creating a major uncertainty in the global economy. That's why we do see such a slowdown in exporting nations across the board from China to Germany to Japan. And while this is acknowledged and, again, was a feature and the main topic of the Fed's summit last week, what really isn't being addressed is the fact that most of these institutions and the Federal Reserve in particular, they can't address these policies. The Federal Reserve is very good at either stimulating or decreasing consumption. They can do that with interest rates. They're very effective at controlling consumption and demand but they're totally ineffective on the supply side. And again, this is something that I've talked about numerous times over the last 18 months or so, especially in the early days, the Ukraine invasion, when we saw such a spike in energy and food costs. And I continue to remind people that the Federal Reserve can't pump oil. They can't grow corn or wheat or soybeans. Their impact with monetary policy is only one of stimulation or destruction of consumption. But the problems we face today 
are not on the consumption side. They're not on the consumer side. There's plenty of demand. What's lacking is the supply. Government stimulus, despite its good intentions, continues to stimulate a shallow and a hollow demand of consumption. And that's what's really strange and unique about the situation we're in with the economy right now. And while everybody has been so worried about the inverted yield curve and concerns about a recession, one of the major reasons that's been working against the Federal Reserve raising interest rates is that fiscal spending is totally at odds with the monetary policy. While the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates to squelch demand, we see the federal government, and this is not just the United States, but around the globe, we see federal governments with massive spending programs. And you can see this just with U.S. debt alone. Right now, the U.S. deficit has never been this high and this growing at a time when unemployment was so low. Normally, the government comes in and stimulates to create jobs to help a soft economy. But right now, one of the problems we're fighting with high labor costs is that there have not been enough workers to satisfy the demand of employers. But that has not stopped the government from massive deficit spending, which is just throwing more fuel on the fire. Again, this is not just a United States phenomena. It's happening all around. But again, if we look to China and we look at them with cutting interest rates and their feeble attempts of doing some tax reductions and some other types of stimulus, their efforts don't appear to be helping the economy. And in fact, they're probably just making it worse. As I stated before, long term, it will all work out but I'm still very concerned as we burn off the overstimulus that's been embedded in the economy since the pandemic because we don't know when the policymakers will abruptly shift and change their course, and we also don't know what black swan event may be lurking right around the corner. What continues to worry me with the war of attrition in Ukraine is that literally every day, every month that this war drags on, it makes both sides more likely to engage in acts of terrorism, which could have grave consequences for global trade and the global economy. I mean, just think back to what happened last September with the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline and think about how carryover events, such as attacks on the shipping lanes in the Black Sea, how that could disrupt food or energy transfers in that area which are being exported primarily into developing nations and specifically into Africa and the Middle East. We're coming to the end of the 2023 fighting season. I mean, winter's just around the corner. There's been no real progress in this war one way or the other. It's a stalemate. It's a war of attrition on the scale that we haven't seen since the trench warfare of World War I. And I think until that gets resolved... There will always be a black swan event lurking in the shadows and could be a major threat to the global economy. Well, hey, so much for the pessimism. My cynical optimism continues to be high. I think we have another eight weeks or so of some likely turbulence in the market. So for now, I remain with most of my funds safely parked in money markets. They're paying well over 5% at this point. And I think for now, for me and my money, that's the safest place to bide time until we see some type of resolution or at least shifts 
as to how far the policymakers are going to go to truly hold back inflation and to get out of the way of the market and let robust supply chains meet the strong demand of consumer consumption. Well, hey, as always, until then, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.